From the film's website, the About section, it says that you went in 2008 personally to walk the Camino. Mm. At that point, did you know you were planning to make a film? Where were you at in your life? Well, I absolutely had no intentions of making this film. <laughs> uh, when I walked, it was really, I was, um, I was in between jobs, relationships, and homes. And in the, let's say it was the fall of 2007. And to be honest, you know, I had a couple months I felt sorry for myself not having those things. And then one day it just occurred to me, it's sort of out of the blue, like, I should take advantage of not having these things. You know, all my stuff was in storage and I was in between jobs. And, um, and so I, it just dawned on me that I should do the Camino. It, it kind of was just like divine inspiration, I guess you could say. I had lived in Spain for about six years. So I had always sort of known about the Camino, but it never occurred to me to do it until that moment. And so then within a couple of months, I was on the Camino and walking and I was just walking for me. Um, I had been engaged to be married and that wasn't the right fit. And so my life was just a little bit, I wasn't sure where I was going. And so I ended up on the Camino. And when people found out, one man in particular, when he found out I was a filmmaker, he said, oh, you should do a documentary on the Camino. And my answer was absolutely not, under no circumstances. I had independently produced and directed a short documentary about 15 years before and swore I would never, ever do it again. It was just so challenging to raise all the money and do everything without the support of a production company or a TV station. But my other big hesitation was for me, the Camino is so sacred and so magical, I was really scared I couldn't do it justice. And so I was really hesitant. And it wasn't until I got home, and probably a good three, four weeks after, that um, I decided to do the film. It was really like that little voice that kept saying, you need to do this, you really need to make a documentary on it. And so finally I kind of succumbed, and six years later, here we are. One of the subjects in your film, Tomas, I believe, mm -hmm. he says that the Camino changes most people who walk it. Did it change you and how? It definitely changed me. I, I, there's a saying on the Camino that your real Camino starts when you get home. And, and I think that was definitely the case for me. For me, walking the Camino was, it's not that it was easy, but compared to making a film or distributing the film, it was way easier than those things. And ma the making of the film was very uh, analogous to the walking. I really needed to reach out and ask for a lot of help. And I had so many people, literally thousands of people, that helped me make this film. And that's very much like on the Camino. Most people really get a lot of help. They have these wonderful, kind hospitaleros. Usually they're wonderful and kind, that is. And um, who help you along the way. And sometimes they'll care for your blisters, take an hour out of their day just to tend to your feet and expecting nothing in return. So I had a lot of that on my journey in making the film as well. And I think in terms of how I changed, I think my big lesson from the Camino was really learning how much I was capable of. I think before I wasn't really living up to my potential. I kind of was very content with staying behind the scenes and being a producer and not necessarily um, 
supporting or believing in my own vision. And this was really a case of me think, saying, this is something I believe in, this is important, and I'm gonna go after it. So we've heard from many in the film, we also saw that it's physically difficult at points to walk the Camino. Emotionally, how was it difficult? Hmm. I think it's different for each person. Um, and that's what makes the Camino, I think, so magical, is it's not this one blanket experience. And what may be difficult for one person is easy for another. Um, and I, going back on a physical level, for me, for example, the physical walking wasn't that challenging, but the staying, the snoring was a really challenging part for me. And emotionally, I had a really interesting experience um, when I walked. My brother passed when I was 10, and I'd done lots of workshops and work around my brother's death. And then when I was walking the Camino, it was almost like he had died the year before. And, it, and also, on kind of the positive end, I really felt him. I mean, it, it was like he was there with me. And so I think I kind of went through a lot more grief. And I felt, for me at least, on the Camino, the goods were so great and the pain was so deep. Like it was, everything is sort of magnified and amplified. And so it ends up being emotionally difficult, I think, for each person in their own way. Some people have huge problems with the meseta, which is this flat, long section where there's nothing to look at and it's just fields. Um, and I personally really love that section. So it's, it, it's just so unique for everybody. So then again, you said that the real magic of the Camino, the real changing of it happens when you come home. And why do you think that is and how was it for you? Well, I think, I think it's, it's different for everybody that, but I think the Camino sort of seeps into your life and um, continues to affect you over time. And for me, it was really this calling to do, to make this film. And it's been extremely challenging. And simultaneously, I really feel like there's a part of me that feels like the reason I'm on this planet and the reason I was born was to make this film. Like this was part of my destiny or I'm not even sure what the words are, but I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's a very fulfilling thing to be, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm doing what I'm here to do. You think Martin Sheen in the credits? Um, the Martin Sheen connection, that's kind of a, uh, a long story because um, uh, Emilio and Martin were over in Spain um, doing some pre-production and raising some money um, at the very same time I was. They were like in Santiago literally days before I was. So um, I contacted them, let them know I was making this documentary and we were both going to film around the same time. And um, as it turns out, they had to delay their shooting until the fall of 2009 and I was shooting spring 2009. So we shot and we immediately put together this 23 minute trailer, um, which was to raise money and show potential funders. And I sent it to Martin and he loved it and he showed it to Emilio and Martin later told me that Emilio showed it to some of his cast and crew members 
to really give them an idea of what it's like to be on the Camino. And so that was very sweet. And then we kind of stayed in touch. Um, and obviously Emilio um, came out, um, The Way came out way earlier than, than we did. And there was a point in time when they were missing some shots and they were gonna license some footage, but then they ended up going back and reshooting. Um, and so, so we're in touch and talking now and then. And what happened was um, they did a kind of a pre-screening at the at Georgetown University. It was this huge screening. It was like 500. It was sort of a gala event, and there was you know the Spanish ambassador and all these people. Um, even some of the Spanish royalty came to it. And so during the Q and A after the screening, I was there because I was part of a pilgrimage conference. And this, the screening was part of this pilgrimage conference that I was presenting at. And so um, during this, this big screening, um, uh, people were doing Q&A. So I stood up and said, hi, it's Lydia from the Camino documentary, because they both knew what I sounded like, but they, they knew who I was, but they didn't know what I looked like. And Martin just went off and he just was so kind in, he just immediately was saying that Lydia's made this great documentary and she's run out of money. So if anybody has a bag of money, they really should give it to her. It's a brilliant documentary and it's real people. And to me, that was really one of the most kind gestures someone could do in the screening of their own film to go on and on and try and help somebody else. So that's why I helped. I mean, I thanked um, Martin and Emilio has been quite kind too. I, um, uh, we uh, uh, were in negotiations with a distributor that they used, and so he kind of has been letting me know how that worked out for them and recommending them. And so um, they've been, and I'm extremely grateful um, to The Way because because of that film, there's so many more people that are interested in the Camino and want to know more, and then they come to our film. So we were very blessed to have them come out a couple years before us. Lydia, we understand from a tweet that your film has made over half a million dollars screening thus far. We keep hearing that theatrical is dead. So how did this happen? Well, we did something very unique with our theatrical uh, distribution. Um, we did it on our own and um, we have, we've grossed over, we're almost at 600,000, but excuse me, that's gross. That's uh, not our take. What essentially we've done is we've done one screening at a time. And what we would do is um, our first really big screening, well, our first, first theatrical screening was in Ashland, Oregon. And we had been in the film festival there and we sold out all our screenings. So we said, okay, this is a great market to go back. Clearly people want to see this film. And we were just so amazed with no advertising really to speak of. Uh, we stayed, they extended us for six weeks. And what we do is we usually, I usually try and show up for opening weekend. I come armed with two 500 flyers and ask everybody to help us spread the word, take 10 flyers and pass them out. And so our, our uh, method has really been word of mouth and we really ask people to help us. And, and then we also do outreach. We do, um, before, a film is, before the film is gonna be showing in a city, we'll reach out to outdoor stores, churches, um, any walking groups, 
um, yoga studios, and we try and do a lot of grassroots outreach. And what we did is each screening essentially funds the next one. And then the other really unique thing that we did is um, I financed an RV, had it wrapped with our, um, our logo, and then I did a whole cross-country tour. I literally went all the way around the country. Um, and there was one section, two-week section, that Annie took on for me, thank God, because <laughs> I was getting pretty tired at that point. Um, but pretty much we went all the way across, around the country. And I'm thinking, we're guessing that I've probably appeared somewhere at like 100 different events, um, 100 different cities, and done over 200 Q&As something some that number so it's really been about appearing and and trying to enlist local people to help us spread the word and i also think there's a real desire in our country right now I'm, i've heard somebody refer to it as spiritual dehydration a real longing for more meaning in our lives and to go to a movie that's uplifting and inspiring rather than depressing and disturbing. Um, so I think, I think people are ready for that. Do you think that's since the recession? Because so many people's lives have been really uprooted, they've had to make changes? You know, that probably does have a pretty big effect. And I think too, it's easy to get distracted when you're, you're making money and you're getting the new toys and you can go shopping and this and that. And then all of a sudden, that's not an option anymore. You can't distract yourself with more buying more things. And, um, but I think it's also just the natural evolution of our society. I think little by little we're, people are seeking more meaning and more connection with each other, with our communities and with the spiritual aspect of ourselves. There's something I'd like to address. Um, so for me, it was really important to show it in theaters because my intention in making the film was to bring the Camino to people so that they could have a Camino experience just sitting in their chair. It wasn't about trying to inspire everybody to go do the Camino, but it was having everybody at least get a glimmer or a sliver of the lessons and of the magic of the Camino, which would inspire them to do whatever they're meant to do, be it, be it go walk the Camino or open a homeless shelter or spend more time with their grandchildren. And for me, seeing it in a theater was particularly important because it sort of mimics the Camino experience. You're having this semi-intimate experience with a bunch of strangers. And so, and also being on the big screen, you get much more of a sense of being there, of being on the Camino. Do you think theatrical distribution is dead? That being said, I know you, you wanted that and I agree that I think that that would lend itself, especially for your film. Oh, I absolutely do not think theatrical is, is dead. I think people really long for that night out, going out and sharing an experience. Um, maybe it's just a subconscious desire to share an experience with people, but I really think there's something very special about being in that dark room, no interruptions, you know, the baby's not crying, the dog's not thrown up, the phone's not ringing. I mean, you're really there to step into that experience. And I think no matter how big our TVs get, you're not going to have that same experience at home. Having found so much success with the theatrical distribution, what do you think it is that's lent itself to that? Aside from having an amazing film that's very emotional, 
Um, I connected very much with all of your mm. subjects in the film, but do you think it's a snowball effect from other people talking about it or their own personal experiences on the Camino and then seeing it? I think we were very blessed. It was sort of a perfect storm um, in a positive way because we had a film that people, with this film, people can say, so often when you, when you walk the Camino, you come home and people are like, how was it? And it's like, you can't even begin to talk about it. You can't, how do you even start to explain it? And this was one of the reasons I made the film as well, was this way people could say, watch this. That's what I went through. Now, obviously I can't touch on every experience or every person's, but there's some general themes that everybody that walks goes through. And I, I tried to capture as many of those as possible. And so we had that element. So very frequently people come to see our film once, like somebody that's walked, they'll come and see it once. And then the next night they'll bring three friends. And then two nights later they'll bring, you know, their brother and their sister-in-law and two other people because they want to be able to share their Camino experience with people. And um, there's just been this huge increase of interest and um, of people walking the Camino. And so there's a wonderful organization called American Pilgrims here in the U.S. And they have separate pilgrim chapters all over the country. So we worked very closely with those chapters. Um, and so they would get all their friends and they would usually use it as an event to help people that are thinking about doing the Camino. Okay, these are some of the things that you might encounter if you do the Camino. And so we had, we had that going for us. We had the fact that the way had come out previously. So there was literally thousands of people that had gone and walked the Camino from when they saw the way to when our film came out. Um, and additionally, I think that spiritual dehydration, I think people are, a lot of people are really excited about seeing a film where nothing blows up and nobody gets murdered. I mean, it, you know, I'm the first one. I, you know, I, I love my TV shows and, you know, kind of escapist movies, but to a point, you know, I really do enjoy something that makes me feel good. Was there a group of filmmakers that you modeled this way of screening the film after, or was there a book where you felt, okay, if we don't get a distribution deal, we're going to do it ourselves and we're going to do it this way? Not really. <laughs> there was in some ways. I mean, I, I was really inspired by What the Bleep um, because they didn't get into a bunch of, they didn't go the normal route. They didn't get into film festivals. They didn't get into, or lots of them, they got into some, and they didn't have a big production company behind them. They didn't have a big distributor. Now they did have a much, much bigger budget than we did, but they still um, had a very self-distribution model. But there wasn't a ton of information about it. But as, um, I guess it was when we were at the Hollywood Film Festival um, where we won Best Documentary, um, our DVD distributor introduced me to Betsy Chassi, one of the um, creators of What the Bleep. And she's just been lovely. She's been like a mentor to me and um, really encouraging. But I can't say there was an exact model. I mean, I did read a lot of books and I got little pieces from lots of different things. And I also, it, it a lot of the making of this film and the distribution of this film has really been happened on an intuitive level. I just kind of get this sense or I'm like, this would be a good thing to do. And I, I've learned to trust that. And that's been a big part of my Camino and 
what I've learned is really to trust my intuition. And so the big part of it was I should get an RV. And if I'm, and to me, so many filmmakers are like, oh, I just want to make the film. But to me, it's kind of like birthing a baby and then giving it up for adoption. I, I mean, it's a choice to do, but to really make sure that the film gets out in the world in the way you want it to. Like, for example, I mean, for me, theatrical was important because I really feel like people can have the whole experience. And I, I, and I also can't imagine that that many distributors would have done with it the way, the way I, I did it. Um, and it was a very personal touch, obviously. And also, too, the, the, your going there in 2008 was very similar to all the reasons the other people went, and I think reasons why others would go as well. So I think that's important for you to share your own yeah. story with it. Yeah, and I think, I think that is a really key thing that makes the film a little bit different. There's been a, a, some movies that um, are going to be coming out shortly or have come out in the past of filmmakers doing films about their Camino as they walk it. One of the issues about that though, I, I feel like I had the great benefit of walking, having a complete pilgrim experience, then going back. Because if you're walking and shooting, you can't really have the normal pilgrim experience because you're working. And so much about the pilgrim experience is, you know, not being distracted and not having a million things to do that really your to-do list is walk, eat, sleep, and you know, if you want, wash your clothes. I mean, so it's, I think it's a much harder experience to try and walk and capture it and at the same time, rather than doing one first than the other. What's the most common question you're asked at the Q and A's? The most common question, here I go, I'm, I'm repeating the question. <laughs> um, I'd say the most common question I get is how did I pick my characters? Um, and I, the short answer to that is, for me, it was really important to let the Camino cast the movie, actually. And it was not about me arriving with a bunch of people and saying, this is who's meant to be in the film, that it was really about who was presented to me. Because that's another thing that happens when you walk. You meet people, they kind of become presented to you. Like, for example, when I walked, the very first guy I walked with had the same name as my ex-fiance. And kind of some very similar issues came about with this guy that I just met that was the very same with my uh, ex-fiance. And that happens frequently on the Camino. So I really wanted to let the Camino cast the movie. But that said, um, obviously I needed somebody to shoot the first day. And I also knew I needed somebody that had the courage to be 100% vulnerable and essentially show what was going on on the inside. And what happened with that was um, uh, I was friends with Annie O'Neill from many years ago and when she, I was talking to her and I was telling her about this project and she was just immediately called and said, I wanna be involved, I wanna walk it. And I realized how great she would be. She's funny, she's open um, and she's very courageous and so um, she was our first pilgrim and then everybody else we just kind of picked up along the way and That said I was also very clear about wanting to have a variety of ages nationalities Reasons for doing the Camino 
spiritual, religious, or none. Um, so that was really important. I wanted to try and have it reflect what you would see if you were on the Camino. Speaking of intuition, that was actually my next question. So it's <laughs> working very well because you had said somewhere else that you wanted to stay out of the way of your own film and let the Camino mm. dictate sort of how it was going to be. How do you think we as filmmakers get in the way of our work? Because I found that fascinating when you said that. I think when we come up with a plan and stick to it, no matter how much uh, the universe is kind of going, no, you should go this way. Um, I think when you get dead set, like it has to be this way rather than just kind of going with the flow. And I, for me, it was really about um, just setting that intention of, I want this to be the Camino's film. I want this to be the highest and greatest thing that it can be. And I want it to be, if the Camino was a person and could make the film, that's what I want. And so I might have my, my things. I mean, personally, if, if it was just me and my film, we would have had like six sections on snoring. But, you know, thank God for editors. Um, but I also realized, like, no, that's, that's, that was just my issue. It's not everybody's issue. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is, is setting an intention more than anything and not necessarily worrying about how it has to fulfill itself, but just saying, this is my intention and I'm gonna trust that it's gonna come out that way. And I also did um, what's called visioning. It's a process, um, one of my spiritual teachers is uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith, and um, I was trained as a practitioner at Agape, and he has this thing called visioning, which is sort of going into a meditative state and sort of letting things come to you. So the idea being, and I, I feel like this, that it's, it's really kind of coming through me, um, not rather just, rather than originating, originating with me. It's coming kind of through rather than just starting here and coming out. Any advice to fellow filmmakers on when they find themselves getting in their way or, or, or being too attached to the results of something with your film? I mean, were there other instances aside from the snoring, which I thought was very funny, the, the few that you did have in there was yeah. great, but um, where you found, you know what, I need to get out of the way of this film. I'm, 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 I'm coming in too much. I'm a big proponent of meditation. I think quieting our minds and just calming the mind and for me it's it's totally a practice I would not say I am uh, um, totally successful at quieting my mind by no means but it is the practice of doing that and of sitting every day um, so that that is what really works for me and on the shoot many times I I had um, two people on the on the crew that were um, very solid meditators they also had a daily practice and occasionally when I just felt really just completely at odds with everything, I would grab one of them and say, come meditate with me. And even just 10 minutes made a really big difference. And Annie also was a really big support for me on the shoot. She, um, because she's from Agape, um, we did what's called spiritual mind treatment and she would really kind of try and hold me um, in in consciousness there's there's a bunch of terminology that we use but she was really very helpful as well um, and let me think um, I think the other thing that that from my spiritual work that I've really learned to lean into is that 
what looks like an obstacle or what looks like really horrible news can be great news. And that was one of those things that, you know, each time something came up, like I had this really big insight about, I was so frustrated at how long it was taking me to raise the money to finish the film. And it was so hard and I, you know, the way shot after us and they came out years before and I was so frustrated, you know, just struggling with trying to get the money. And it was, we were in Portland for 11 weeks for our first run. And it was after coming back from one of those Q and A's, I was on the, um, I was walking down to my house and it just dawned on me. What was so challenging in that moment has been my biggest blessing because, because the way came out two years before it paved the way for us and it made our way so much easier. And so there was really a blessing in it. And the more you can lean into that and go, okay, I'm really unhappy with this situation. And I'm sure there's something good coming from this and just keep yourself in that and, and be open to the, what good that could, what good be, could be happening that you're not aware of just yet. And even to your life in 2007, as probably difficult as it was, yes, it shook things up, but then you went on the Camino and look what's happened as a result. So exactly. The same type of thing. And that seemed to be a theme with everyone. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to mention that um, as I personally do a lot of work on myself, and I think that's very important. I work with a spiritual practitioner on a very consistent basis, and that was a big part of the film because my stuff was getting was coming up um, a lot of people in the crew a lot of people kind of connected to the film their stuff is coming up and without having someone that I was consistently working with to go this is coming up you know what how am I contributing to this and how do I need to shift and where, where can I grow and how can I be more of who I really want to be? And, um, and I also work with a, a therapist on, you know, he, he's kind of, I call him now and then when things come up. I'm just a really big proponent of getting help, of, you know, I don't think we're here on this planet meant to try and figure everything out by ourselves. I really think that um, give and take and having somebody outside yourself and especially when it's somebody professional, because it's a lot of pressure, I think, to put on our friends. Like, I'm going through this really hard time, help me. And not only that, they're not trained. And, but the more we can kind of look at ourselves and look at what's happening on my side of the street. Like, you may be doing what, what's going on over here, but I have the opportunity to look at it differently, to reframe it, to, to really step into who I am instead of getting sucked into just a reaction. So 2007, 2008, you walk the Camino, you decide then you want to make the film. How did you actually get it off the ground and get the funds over this, what, five, six year period to make the movie? Well, the initial part, um, as soon as I decided to make the film, I reached out to um, two people, two women I had worked with extensively over the years, documentary filmmakers, and um, Kobe Atlas and Kira Thompson. Um, Kira just won a uh, Emmy. She is a producer, supervising producer on The Voice, and Kobe was, is amazing, um, vice president of uh, 
PBS for programming, used to be, and now she's doing a gazillion other things. So I reached out to them um, and they helped me um, kind of get my footing. And I had raised, I'd actually raised enough money, um, I'd raised $60,000 for another documentary. And when I wanted to do this one, I just asked our donors if they would be willing to let me transfer it. And then I reached out to my very first boss, Teresa Tolini Coleman, and um, asked her if I could run the film through her nonprofit, which is what I'd done with my short documentary. And as soon as she heard about the, the subject, she was like, I wanna be involved, I wanna work on it. And it just so happened that she had the exact same amount of money um, that she needed to invest into a, a, a film because it's a nonprofit, so it needed to be kind of recirculated. And so we had just enough for a super bare bones shoot. I mean, it was, we were paying people $100 a day. Um, but luckily, since I'd worked in the film industry most of my life, people were, I could get great people um, and they were doing it as a favor to me. And so we actually did run out of money on the shoot and I had to put in some of my own life savings, just a bit, but some. And then afterwards, um, we came back, we cut together this 23 minute fundraising trailer and, you know, I knew it wouldn't be easy, but I thought, okay, you know, we'll apply to some foundations and some religious organizations and government institutions and, you know, Spanish tourism and all these places. But of course that was right when the crash happened and Spain was just a mess. I mean, there was just no money there whatsoever. And we got turned down right, left, and center. Um, all the traditional funding sources, except for one grant we got from um, Pacific Pioneer Fund. And then we did, we also got um, two small grants from American Pilgrims, but then everything else um, was all raised from individuals. And I, what happened was after about a year and a half of trying the traditional funding, I realized I wasn't, it wasn't gonna happen that way. And I, it pretty much turned into me asking everyone I'd ever met um, or knew for money. And here was a case though, I really had to kind of do some work around my issues with money and asking for money and asking for help. Um, and what was really neat and really extremely touching was my high school classmates um, really turned out and it was, they funded almost 40% of the post um, of, of that phase of once I needed to um, finish the film and incredibly supportive. People I hadn't seen in 30 years sending in $1,000 checks. And, um, and then I had four out of five of my um, funding producers I had gone to high school with. And I was also really the, um, one of my classmates um, is Dan Brown, who did the Da Vinci Code, and he and his wife stepped in and funded the whole online process. Once they saw the rough cut and they were just um, really touched and believed in the project. And if it wasn't for Dan and Blythe, I might still be fundraising. <laughs> Advice to other filmmakers on doing the same, not only just getting over the hurdle of having to ask for help, which is a big thing. We all, you know, DIY, we want to do this ourselves. No, we don't need anyone's help. but ways to do it, ways to get over them? Yeah, um, there's a couple of books I really recommend. Um, I think kind of working on your internal stuff with, with money is, is the first step. Um, I think pretty much everything we do really is from, from the inside out. Um, there's a book called Spiritual Economics by Eric Butterworth, um, uh, The Power 
um, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And then Lynn Twist also has um, a CD set, Fundraising from the Heart. Um, and I think that the, the biggest thing I would encourage people is only do things that you're 110% believe are going to do some good in the world. There has to be something fueling you more than money, more than um, fame, like some really inherent strong pull for you because it's just too hard otherwise. I mean, to, to sustain it, um, I think so. Was there a moment where you felt burnout, where you felt like my back's against well, I don't know how I can continue, and then how did you pull yourself up? Uh, there were many, 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 many moments. <laughs> um, it, it, it's been a constant, um, constantly falling down and getting back up. I mean, each phase has had these huge, you know, I, I thought for sure I was gonna get this grant and the executive director from the Catholic media campaign, and. And I thought for sure it was gonna happen and it was like, no, again. And I, I did have, I had a little ritual and I still do to a degree this day. When I'm going through a rough time, when I get a big disappointment, I really allow myself to feel it. I, a lot of times it involves the fetal position and a lot of tears. And then it's like, I go to a movie, I get popcorn um, and I cry and then I get up the next day and start again. And it, it, it's pretty, I wouldn't say it's constant, but it's, it, it doesn't stop. I mean, as, as successful as the film has been, we still keep having so many challenges and financially, we're still, we're just getting by just because everything is so expensive. But I think it's, um, my, I think the biggest thing I would say is not denying the pain or the frustration or the disappointment and simultaneously not wallowing in it letting yourself have that and for me having a ritual around it of like okay another rejection i'm going to go to my movie i'm going to do this and then i'm going to start again 